0: Stood before Brother Paul and Brother Jim Ogles casket, and I was a part of their funeral and read the obituary and just kind of went through that and how that was a memorial type service and and then I begin to think about the the day that we will stand before Christ Um, and you know there's no comparison there that's the ultimate to stand before Jesus Christ Uh, first of all knowing that you're saved amen that's a good thing Um, and, and once again we want to be very clear that at the judgment seat of christ when you're standing before the lord in that moment that that you're saved um you know it's not a work salvation it's not how many people that um you can go out and help is going to dictate your salvation salvation is only through the shed blood of jesus christ amen aren't you thankful for that but jesus countless times in the scripture tells us as the church to stay busy amen to be about his business um to help change other people for His glory. Amen? So, I don't have a lot of notes. I actually don't have any notes. I have a list of scriptures, um, and we're just going to kind of trail through some scriptures, uh, if that's okay. Amen? I, I don't have a poem this morning. I don't have a video for you to see or, or any visual fireworks. We're just going to get under the Word. Is that a good thing? That's a good thing. So, let's get into the Word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. And we're just going to trail through about seven or eight scriptures, and then we're going to get out of here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I love the Word. The Word is what it is. It's the authoritative Word of God, and I believe that, and I trust in that. So I take it. For what it says and what it is. And when I read these verses, say, that's what it is. It is what it says. I don't try to reshape it or remold it to fit my lifestyle. Jesus was very challenging to the church, amen? Uh, he's a loving God and he loves us, um, but he challenges us as Christians that while we're on this earth, we need to be handling his business. We don't need to just be sitting back waiting for the rapture, sitting back um, just waiting for, you know, to go up to heaven. He wants us to be busy. And that time is now for us as a city, as a church, as a, as a, as a community. You've heard me talk about the foster care situation and different things that we've involved ourselves in. So once again, I really hope that this triggers something in you to go above and beyond what you're doing. Amen. Because we're all busy, right? How many of you are busy? Raise your hand. We're all busy. That's the first thing somebody will tell you uh, when you ask them, how's it going? Well, I'm busy. Um, We can be more busy, amen? I'll even raise my hand. Busy in spiritual things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus speaking, he's teaching us how to pray. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's that R word, reward you openly. Aren't you thankful? It blows my mind that we serve a God that not only would send his son to die a brutal death on the cross for mine and your sin, but he says, when you come to heaven, there's some potential rewards that I want to bless you with. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is better than Santa Claus, okay? Way much better than Santa Claus. So he says, what you do in secret, I will reward you openly. We live in a day and time where everybody wants to be noticed for what they do. And that's not the way God said to do it. God said that if it's it's in the open or if it's in the inside, do it for me. If your name is not in the paper, that's fine. If you're not going to show up on Facebook, that's fine. Just do it for me because then I'm going to reward you later on. But our culture and our society is so, I did a good deed. I wouldn't help to fill in the paper or give me a reward. Look, the good thing that I did. And that's not the way Christ wants us to go about it. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24. Now remember what the text said that we started off with. We'll stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll go through things that were good and bad. Now does that mean he's going to condemn us of our sins? No, that doesn't mean he's going to condemn us of our sins. Our sins are washed as far as the east from the west. By the blood shed upon that cross. But I truly believe it. I don't know how it's going to play out. Nobody does. If you get around somebody that, that... gives you A, B, C, D, detail of how the judgment seat of Christ is going to play out, and you might need to be careful with who you're hanging out with because we need to go with what the Scripture says, amen, not somebody who claims to be this or claims to be that. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's powerful. Verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Key two words there. And then he will reward each according to his works. Listen church family, don't stand around waiting for Christ to reward you for the good things that you're doing right now. Jesus clearly says, "I'm going to reward you. Just be about my business until that day comes." Amen. Get out of this uh this this Thinking that the way the culture wants us to think that it has to be now Everything has to be now 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 if I help in the nursery I got to have a certificate or if I help in youth ministry I got to have a trophy which I'll give you a trophy if you work in youth ministry. Okay <laughs> But jesus clearly said be about my business give your life for me Then on that day that judgment seat of christ when you stand before me I will reward you Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's a beautiful picture to me. Luke chapter 14 14 Luke chapter 14. I love to hear pages turning. Luke chapter 14. Because the power's in the word, amen? Amen. Come on, the power's in the word. I love Pastor because he's so word rich. He's all about the word. He has never stood at this pulpit and preached a sermon and used one verse. He reads half the Bible in his sermons. We know that. But I love that because he believes in the same thing that I believe, that this is where the power is. This is where the power is. Luke chapter 14, verse 7. So he told a parable. He's telling a parable here to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 12. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner, Jesus speaking, and when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. There's that repayment there. The people in Jesus' day were just like us. They wanted that repayment factor to know that they did something good. How many of you know that's a dangerous thing? Because a lot of times that falls into, we're wanting to know we did something good for somebody. And for us to know that, we have to have somebody to tell us We're depending on man in that moment. Amen? We're not trusting in that day that we'll stand before him. And then that's when he'll say, hey, man, you remember that time? Da-da-da-da-da-da. Our trust is in Jesus and not man. Amen? Amen? Verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Where's the repayment? The repayment is before when we stand before the Father. Amen? Amen. Come on, the repayment is not when you stand before the mayor, you stand with the governor, you take the picture with the president. The repayment is when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That should motivate us and encourage us. But I'm afraid it doesn't because, once again, we allow society to wrap around our minds and our thinking and we have to have our repayment right now. And these people were no different. Jesus said they can't repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. How can somebody that has no food, no clothing, no place to live, you give them a place to live. How can they repay you in man form? They can't. That's Jesus's job. Are you with me? That's Jesus's job. I've met some of the greatest people. But at the end of their ministry, at the end of what they're doing to bless somebody, you know you could tell that they're desiring something in return. That return's coming when we stand before Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together... So that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered, get this, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Wow. Now, once again. Sometimes I find myself in this I'm covered by the blood of Jesus So what I said last night, it's covered by the blood Yes, it's covered by the blood But I'm still going to have to Be held accountable for it, amen And I think as Christians We got to be careful with that way of thinking Because what we do say in the dark Will be revealed to the light eventually Whether we've been saved a hundred years Or one minute And, And I think if we would get this judgment seat of Christ. That's when God is going to reward me. He's going to reward me for what I do on this earth, whether it be good or bad. He wants me to be... That kind of thinking will transform a city. That kind of thinking will transform a community. I promise you. Another service or another revival, those things are great. But I guarantee you what's taking place in West Virginia happened because there was a group of people that realized that, man, we need to get busy for Jesus. Jesus. And I don't need nothing right now. I don't need nothing in heaven, but He's going to give it to us anyway. What a great benefit that is! And I think that's where we're at as a society, in the way we think as a church. That's how close we are to see a breakthrough like we've never seen. Is just when our mind changes and we begin to think, you know what? I I, I don't need that. Jesus is going to reward. Jesus knows what I'm doing. He knows what I'm doing when I help in the food pantry. He knows what I'm doing when I'm folding bulletin. He knows what I'm doing when I'm fostering a kid. I don't need anybody to pat me on the back. Now, it's good to have encouragement, amen? I need encouragement. Those things are great, but I don't expect those things because I seek my encouragement from the Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. And I was going to make this like a big stage presentation and just blow it out but I changed my mind so I just this is my object lesson might have, might have been more dramatic and, and pretty the other way but this is all you're getting this morning I could bring a fake turkey up here and start handing out Fig Newtons to people <laughs> that was a great message that day that was, he, was, he didn't know how it was going to go I thought it was great I'm, that was such a good word such a good word first corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 powerful run of scriptures here the judgment seat of christ first corinthians 3 verse 5 who then is paul and who is apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the lord gave to each one i planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Powerful verse right there. These are two powerful men. These are two highly educated men. And verse 6 says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. Who gets the credit here on this earth? Jesus Christ. Not me, not my ministry, not my church. Who gets the credit? Who gets the reward? Jesus Christ. Verse 7, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Can I tell you something, church family? When you make yourself the lowliest of low. Now, what do you, what do you mean when you say that, Jojo? When you make yourself to the point where you don't mind being at the end of the line when it's potluck time, or you don't mind not getting any credit from anybody when you're doing something for the Lord, that's a good place to be. That is a fulfilling place to be. Because here's the thing. People notice you then. People don't notice you when you get the big award and you, and you get a picture in the paper because everybody's doing it. They forget about it a week later. But when people see that your way of thinking has transformed and your reward you don't care about because you know there's going to be one when you stand before Jesus, they see that. That's what changes people. Amen? That's what radically transforms people. Verse 8, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Very important here. Verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you are a professing Christian, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is your foundation from day one until the day you die. There is no other foundation. we got to quit trying to lay these these sub-foundations. Our foundation is only found in Jesus Christ. My foundation is not found in my wonderful athletic prowess or my hunting skills or my job or, or even my family. My foundation is ingrained and implanted in Jesus Christ. For no other foundation can be laid, verse 12. But see, we have a lot of Christians in our, in our community, in our, in our state, in our country that are trying to lay, lay all these side foundations. And that's a dangerous thing, Amen. Because when you start laying side foundations and you start building your life around other things other than Jesus Christ, then things begin to get selfish. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation. So, if you decide to build, if you're a Christian but you say, you know what, it's it's just not working out. I still love Jesus. I'm still going to go to heaven, but I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. Look what happens. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Remember, we're not talking about salvation here. You will be saved, yet so as through the fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I deeply desire to see in a... I don't like to say the word awakening because it makes it sound like nothing is going on because there's a lot of things that go on in ministry and in the spiritual realm that we don't celebrate that should be celebrated. So revival has taken place in the spiritual realm several times in our community. We just pick certain things to declare that as revival. Does that make sense? But I truly believe, I I, truly believe that we will see it on a more consistent scale and I believe that we're close to it here in our city. I really do. I really do. I'm not stamping some prophetical word or wanting you to write a book about it. I just truly believe that in my heart. I believe that ever since I was a kid. And that will happen when we remove ourselves from the equation. Are you following me? This is a very simplistic elementary word so you're not confused. Okay? Stay with me. Anybody can change the way they think. It doesn't take much. Remove self, your life will change. Remove self, your life will change. It won't be about what you can get in return. It will be about what you're doing for the Heavenly Father. Are you following me? Now, you know I'm going to talk about foster care. I know I'm drowning some of you with foster care, but that's just the platform that God has given me, so I'm going to speak on it. To foster children, you have to remove yourself. You don't have any more self. (laughs) Who's Jojo? I don't know. I don't even know, Janice, who Jojo is. Lost my mind. You have to remove yourself. And we don't have people knocking on our door every day going, man, you're doing such a great job. You're getting crowns in heaven. You're doing... But we don't need that. Because we know the Father in heaven is celebrating and rejoicing. And we're getting that message to people to realize, you know what, if I can just remove myself, I will begin to see the things that God wants me to see. Amen? So why do I have these things up here? Okay? I was going to bring, I was going to go up in the attic, and I was going to bring my wife's trophies from back in the day. This represents that. You see where I'm going? This is my wife and her trophies, because she was an excellent athlete, and she unfortunately was a lot better than me and she won all these big awards and it was mvps and all state and state championships and rings and i just get sick of looking at them but that's a whole nother sermon this isn't hers but this represents her stuff this represents mine this is actually eli's but i was going to bring my box and it literally was like four boxes to one. I had like a couple, you know, participation trophies. <laughs> I had a Panther Award, Coach Goldman, for like, I was in track and basketball and baseball. I like showed up to those. So, I, you know, Panther Award was just cool. Got like runner-up, all-conference in baseball, my senior year. Then there was like a church softball trophy in there where we won a tournament in Mississippi. And uh, that was about it. Just a couple of ribbons. You know, in track, when you get the ribbons, I'm like eighth place. <laughs> Why do y'all do that, Code? Do you still do that? I got eighth place. There was eight runners. <laughs> do I need a reminder? I don't, but I still kept them. But here's the spiritual thing. These are dusty. That box of mine was really dusty. But my wife's glorious box is, the four boxes, were dusty too. They had the same amount of dust on them than mine did. Are you with me? On that day when we stand before him, listen to me, this will change some of y'all's course. You guys came on the right day. When you stand before Jesus Christ on the judgment seat of Christ. In that moment. It has nothing to do with this. Has nothing to do with what you received on this earth. But it has everything to do with what you gave. Did you hear that? Man, I, I, you might be like, I ain't got a pat on the back. Man, I know I'm doing good, but nobody tells me. Listen, he knows. God knows what you do in secret. Prayer chain, when you call somebody at midnight and you say, man, I'm praying for you. None of us are going to know that. He knows. That's so much more important than that. You know, you, you drive through neighborhoods and... You'll see these people, and and if God didn't radically get a hold of my life, I probably would have been one of these people. You see these boats in their yards, and they're all stacked up with dirt and grass, and these four-wheelers, and these motorcycles, and these toys, and they're just got dust on them and rust. That's what the Bible says will happen if we focus so much on those kind of rewards. People literally build their foundations around this stuff. They do. You know it. I know it stuff and all that stuff does is collect dust and rust and die and then we stand before Jesus thinking that these things were good and thinking that it was going to get us somewhere and all these things are burned up instantly and then what do we have to show for what we did on this earth for Christ amen Colossians chapter 3 Colossians chapter 3. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to do that. I love that word and I hate that word. Can't tell how many people said I'm just not qualified to do that. Obedience equals qualification. Did you hear me? Obedience Equals qualification. I have no business standing up here. Being 13 years in the ministry. I have no business if you go by qualifications. In the natural realm. No business. But because of obedience. Because of obedience. And taking my mind off myself. And saying God I will do everything for you. And I don't need nothing. Because you've already gave me enough 2,000 years ago. But then he steps in and says, Oh, I'm not done yet. When you stand before me, I'm going to give you some more rewards. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what that's going to look like. You know? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to give me a better house than everybody else. I don't know. And I don't care. I just know what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, verse 24. Notice these are familiar verses that are very clear and very understandable, but so powerful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Wow. Honey, will you do me a favor? I wasn't going to do this. Will you go get Seth, please? She didn't know I was going to say that. She'll kill me later. That's fine. Verse 23. And whatever you do, do it with your whole heart, some translation says, as to the Lord and not to who? Men. It's clear, ladies and gentlemen, that when you serve the Lord, it has, you're not doing it for anybody else but him. Don't expect a grand explosion when you lead somebody to the Lord. I always say that when I pray with somebody and they accept Christ their Lord and Savior, I'm saying, listen, fireworks are not going to go off. People are not going to come in like the Publisher's Clearinghouse and start giving you things. But in the spiritual realm, man, it's like 4th of July in New York. And if we will have that thinking, your life will change, I promise spiritually things and not natural, your life will change forever. Whatever you do it wholeheartedly, do it with your whole heart. If you do nursery, do it with your whole heart. If you drive the van, do it with your whole heart. If you go to Southridge and visit the elderly, do it with your whole heart. That's when the rewards are going to be poured out in the judgment seat of Christ, is when you do it with all you got. Because here on earth, we'll give it all we got to get one of these We'll punch people, kick people, elbow people. If you've been watching the NBA playoffs, we'll kick people. We'll do all kinds of things to get one of those so that we could take our picture in the newspaper and then put it up in the attic and let it collect dust and rust. You know, back in the, when I was in high school, back in the 90s, there, no fear was a big thing. And they had a sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. At the time, it was cool because I was a teenager. But that's the way of our community, not our community, but the culture. That's the way we think. He who has the most stuff wins? Well, if, you, if you're a Christian, that makes no sense at all because it ain't about stuff. It ain't about how much we can collect. It's once again how much we can give. Isn't that good? Last verse, Revelation 22 and 12. Now, please let me be clear. People need to be honored. The Bible says give honor where honor is due, and we honor people around here, and we will. We will continue to do so. Not we are. I'm saying as a culture, we're losing a lot of good people in the church because people expect something in return so often. And if we'll just, once again, change the way we think and read the Scripture and read what the Scripture says, not to men but to God, things will look a lot different. A lot different. Revelation 22 and 12: Jesus speaking. Wow. And behold, I am the coming I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to His work. Let me read that again. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, and that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. Wow. Powerful. Amen. Andrew, if you would play that song real slowly in the background. Andrew's going to play the song. I just love you. Heard it last week in Pastor's video, but it's called A Difference Maker. A Difference Maker. And you know, when I stand before Jesus, in the judgment seat of Christ, you know, I think we're so rapture-focused... It's almost like some people forget about the judgment seat of Christ. Do you agree with that, Dr. Prescott? I really do. And I'm not going to do it, but I can honestly say if we said show your hands, if you ever heard of the judgment seat of Christ, a lot of you maybe wouldn't know the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. And that's okay because you're here and now you know. But once again, as a Christian, we will stand before Jesus Christ and account for what we did on this earth. Good or bad? Let me see him. He climbs on up the hill, He's like, what's going on? on he stands, looks back at the crowd, looks now listen to and him. me. I want to be very clear here. I am a He's like, whoa. Maker. Now he might spit up. Just stay with me. I, oh, I, to I want to stand before Jesus one day. War out war smooth out knowing that I did everything I could do for him on this earth and there's seven words that I, I, I don't want to say when I stand before him and I hope you don't either I know it's weird I'm crying but I, I don't want to stand before him and say you know what it could have been so much more I could have did so much more. If this city would turn off the news and quit being freaked out so much about what's going on in the world and realize what's right in front of them, that they could literally change a life for him true revival would break out now, I'm not saying this is the route for you that's not why I'm bringing him up here I'm just using it as an example you know people people use the phrase well you're going to have a lot of crowns and a lot of jewels in your crown and I, I just don't like when people say that because it's not about that. But it's about people. When the Bible uses the word reward, when Jesus uses the word reward over and over again, reward equals people. There's a soul in here. Amen? There's a soul in here. And this soul's either going to go to heaven or it's going to go to hell. And there's many others out there in many different forms. Teenagers, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. The church as a whole in our country is wasting too much time sitting around being afraid. God said it wasn't going to be easy. He said that. He said, there'll be trouble in this world. John 16. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And if you will just switch that thinking in whatever realm you're in, if you're in the other side, if you're in foster care, if you're helping the homeless, if your focus is on whatever it's on, if your focus will begin to be put on Jesus Christ, and I'll stand before him one day and give an account. And that the reward has nothing to do with these little dinky things, but everything to do with these little dinky things. And those things. And those things. And those things, people. God, God made it simple, church family. Some of us are just missing it. It's that easy. People. People. And remember, if you're obedient, you're qualified. You hear me, men? If you're obedient, you're qualified. You don't have to wait until you get out of a program to change a life. Are you hearing me? The church is awakening. I know it. I feel it. The city will be transformed. This city will be talked about. I promise. And you are a big part of it. Be a difference maker for somebody. Not for yourself, but for him. Amen? Be a difference maker in your city. Change the world and know that day's coming when we'll stand before him. And he'll reward us for what we did on this earth. Don't grow weary. You hear me? Don't grow weary in well-doing. There's a spiritual fight on our hands. And God's just looking for people to be on his team and to fight a good fight of faith. Amen. I love you. My pastor loves you. Shane and Brent love you. We're in it for the long haul. When this whole church starts fixing its mind on one thing in so many different realms of this city, man, it's going to be glorious. Because it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about First Assembly, it's all about Him. Father in heaven, turn that up, Andrea. Lord, we love you. just uh-huh.